Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Parents versus teens. This is one of the biggest conflicts that happens so often to a point where it feels like a common rite of passage in a parenting experience. To talk about some of the triggers that enhance the conflict between parents and teens is Zahwa Islami. To give a little background, Zahwa is a mental health advocate and educator while also actively practicing as a clinical psychologist. She gives talks centered around crucial topics such as mental health, trauma, romantic relationships, and family dynamics. Thank you so much for joining me today, Zahwa. Thank you so much, Dina. Hello. It's so great that you're joining um, from Indonesia as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Indonesia right now. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk about this. So I gave a little bit of background on the career path that you've chosen. Can you talk a little bit more as to what your role is when it comes to mental health advocacy and also the family dynamic? Okay, um, I have experience as a keynote speaker, um, maybe just like a teacher who teach psychology, mental health, trauma, and also I'm creating content. So many people call me as content creator in Instagram and Twitter, and I'm talking about trauma and how we as a children uh, deal with the problem in our family. It's because, yeah, we know uh, we already uh, 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 knew like uh, inner child and trauma that creates from parent that also broke our system as a individual. It's just like um, a toxic term. So maybe some of us have to educate it, have to uh, gain our knowledge to be a resilient person and not just like um, um pointed the wrong is from our parent and we don't have a control for ourselves yeah mm-hmm. so your perspective is mainly on the child's perspective as to how mm-hmm. to deal with it afterwards and how to also grow as a person even with the parental teachings that kids have been given yeah my perspective is about uh, children, how they perceive their parent, but uh, for now I'm focusing my uh, uh, clinical psychologist therapy for adulthood and then yeah how they deal with uh, relationship issues with their partner and with their parents itself. Okay, 
No, it's it's really interesting because I know when you talk about parent and child conflict and mm-hmm. how to deal with that, it's amazing. Like I said earlier, it's amazing how common a conflict between a parent and child is, especially as a teenager. I know it feels like mm-hmm. it's so normal to have a fight with your parent. It's so normal for a parent to deal mm-hmm. with, to have the teenager be going through their hard years and dealing with that conflict. Is it one of the most common common occurrences that sort of comes out comes about when you're going through being a parent? Uh, okay. Uh, I already has experience in junior high school. Uh, met a student from junior high school knowing what they are looking right now uh, for challenging at the emotional or maybe how they perceive a problem like bullying or maybe a relationship with their parent so that uh, when they have a bad relationship with their parent they feel lonely they feel like no one is caring for them so that yeah it's so very uh, um so it's a very it's a very difficult situation and it's mm-hmm. always it's a i think parent and teen is a really specific issue that a lot of parents go through mm-hmm. um, before we get into that we're going to know have a little get to know you a little icebreaker, just to know you as okay. a person before we talk to you as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I ask you these specific area points, just say the first thing that sort of comes to your head. Okay. Okay. So what is your favorite book at the moment? Uh, my favorite book at the moment is, maybe you know it, um, I wish my parent read this book uh, written by Philippa Ferry. Philippa Ferry. Have you heard that book? I, it sounds familiar. I don't think I've heard of it specifically, but it does sound familiar. Um, I will add that to a list of books that I have to go and check out um, from the show. But it sounds, it sounds very interesting. I think it's something that so what's the synopsis of the book? Yeah, the book is about uh, children perspectives uh, that needs a parent to know what children perspective is so that yeah, relationship between children and parents is good because uh, parents not only giving any expectation for children but also knowing what they need as a children itself. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds really interesting. And I think um, I just did a quick search of it and it does look familiar to me. So I'm probably sure I have heard of it. But it's great to hear your perspective from it. The next one is a favorite movie of yours. Uh, my favorite movie, I'm a horror geek. I think I love uh, seeing Insidious movie. But for now, uh, I want to see Barbie because, yeah, everybody sing that song. Everybody uh, talking about Barbie in social media. So I want to know what uh, Barbie uh, is, the movie itself, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big 
my mum and I are big horror movie fans as well. So Insidious is a movie that we love to watch together. I will never see it in the cinema because I am terrified. Oh. Um, I cannot, because I can't mute it. If I can mute it, then I'll keep watching it. Oh. But um, when it comes to the Barbie movie, I saw that recently um, a couple of days ago. And it is very, it's very different than what I was thinking. So you're in for a really great, Then, great film. Okay. Oh, uh, maybe uh, everybody talk about yeah, Barbie is uh, talking about feminism, patriarchy issue, and that's very interesting. I think. Yeah. No. It it is very interesting, and I can't. You'll you'll definitely have to see it. You you will. It's something I think everyone should be seeing. Thank you. The next one is a favorite podcast that you listen to. Uh, favorite podcast for now is um, podcast from Mojo is um, news media from Indonesia talking about uh, issue in Indonesia, focusing on perspective from Javanese people, focusing on Yogyakarta. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever go to Yogyakarta before? I haven't. I've only been to Malaysia. I haven't been into places in Indonesia yet. But um, yeah, Indonesia is definitely on my list of places to travel. Uh, get a, like a group of people and we'll all go together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about a famous role model that you have? Uh, my famous role model from uh, English, she is Lady Diana. She always gives me um, a role model of how women have compassion and kindness for breaking stigma. Uh, so that, yeah, from her, I learned to breaking stigma. So I came to orphanage uh, children with HIV and AIDS in Indonesia whenever people talking about that they are afraid to go to that orphanage so yeah I learned how to um, socialize with children with HIV and AIDS and yeah that's not how scary as they think uh, to meet people with HIV and AIDS yeah I think that the move that she did to just be able to treat people like human beings was actually pretty incredible. And it's amazing how much we still take from Lady Diana as well. I think she's, mm -hmm. she's such a great role. She is such a great role model. Mm -hmm. Now, the last question is the recent course that you've completed. Uh, there is, I haven't completed any course but I'm planning to have uh, to join the course uh, called Certification Trauma Studies from Basel van der Kolk. And I think it will be interesting because I will focus my studies on trauma too. Okay, now that does sound really interesting. It sounds, mm -hmm. it's amazing to see how much you can learn from just sitting down in a course and sitting down and just learning from other people who have experience in the situation. Mm. So I think trauma is also a really interesting aspect to mm. study and to understand. Yeah. 
Now, talking about parenting today as being on the parenting show, I know that everyone has a very different variation and different understanding as to what being a parent and being a role model is to a child. In your understanding, what would what do you think the role of parenting and being a parent is? Okay. Um, many people start asking me, why are you trying to give uh, theory and psychoeducation about parenting? But you, you are not parent yet. So you don't have experience to be parent. So what I'm going to say is, I already experienced as a children. I already experienced looking at my mama and my papa uh, having conflict and resolu- and having a resolution for their conflict itself. And I know what it's like to be a children in divorced family. It's very difficult. And parenting, it's not about we have a secure Uh, maybe food or home for our children, but also it's about creating safe space for children and for parents itself, uh, because we all know that energy can be transferred. So, yeah, parents ha- have to be uh, secure itself so that the energy of that safe energy is transferred from uh, parents to children. Um, second, point about parenting it's also about parents who passing down their experience skill ability knowledge to children so that the children itself have ability to survive in this world i think it's all about parenting yeah no it's really interesting because i i mean i'm host the parenting show as well as mm-hmm. hosting the family show and People always say, how are you hosting a parenting show when you have no kids? You have yeah, no yeah. experience. But similar to you, I have the experience of being a child and having the, um, being the result of a parent and yeah. being the product of a parent. And especially um, similar to you in divorced families as well. Like I have that experience of dealing with two very different families and two different approaches to how a parent is raising a child because both parents of mine are very different mm-hmm. in terms of how they raise a child and how they um teach me and educate me yeah. and be there for me it's very different so i've had experience in dealing with both of those sides and yeah. sort of how both sides of the parenting really became who i am and who my personality is and who how i am as a person so yeah i always I love, I and I love people who come onto the show who have similar experiences to me in terms of that because it makes it so relatable. And being on the, being the product of a parenting style or even two different parenting styles, I think is just as important as, almost as important as being a parent yourself because you learn from experience and this is your experience from it. Nah. It will be a great discussion between us from Indonesia and from Australia with maybe different perspectives about family, uh, different perspectives yeah. about family resilience and happiness so that, yeah, we will be discuss uh, everything about family, parent, and me as a children. <laughs> yeah, no, I think especially when it comes to the cultural aspect as well, it's still very different again. <laughs> so... 
What do you think expectant parents, people who are going into that transition of being a parent themselves, what would be something that they, that you think they would need to be aware of prior to being a parent? Okay. Uh, as I learned, life is full of adaptation, changing, translation. So I found theory uh, from Kalinsky. He talked about a transition about parenting itself in the family. There are six different stages. Uh, <laughs> the first one is image making. When parents or two individuals have planned to have a children, what about their perspective of how they parent their children, uh, planning about pregnancy, because uh, what I learned before from population and family planning in Indonesia, Mr. Hasto Wardoyo, he said that, yeah, uh, for pregnant women, we also need to plan ourselves, um, fulfill our need about um, maybe folic acid, vitamin, supplement, mm -hmm. so that our children have um, good growth and yeah, they can uh, develop well in the family. Uh, the second stage is about nurturing. Uh, when parents uh, develop attachment from themselves with the children itself. And when the uh, infancy stage, um, this is the golden age for parents uh, building relationship with children because um, children will develop internal working memory about how they have a relationship with parents and mm -hmm. it will be so much impact on the future when individual itself has a relationship with others. And the three stage, it's about authority. When parents have toddler and preschool uh, children, so that parents create rules, figure out, effectively guide. So yeah, um, maybe children know how to explore, but as parents, we have um, guide to time so that uh, children know do and don't how to be uh, good kids maybe. And the fourth stage is about interpretative. In the middle childhood, it helps uh, kids interpret, explore social world. And in this middle childhood itself, maybe children will uh, meet a challenge about uh, problem bullying or maybe uh, what is that? Uh, maybe problem in the school uh, bullying, uh, bad grades maybe in the sum of score in the school or maybe just mm -hmm. like that. And the five stage is about interdependent. Nah, what we were talking about is uh, in this stage, uh, parents need to renegotiate the relationship to allow share power with their children that maybe we called uh, the children, it's all um, already in the adolescent stage. And the mm -hmm. sixth stage is about departure. When parent has uh, early adulthood children, 
So parents need to evaluate their success and failure about their parenting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we're going into the about the fourth or fifth stage, I think when you're talking about the sort of talking about the conflict that can happen between a parent and a teenager or parent and adolescent, when we talk about that specific conflict, how would you go ahead and define what a parent and teen conflict would be? Yeah, in my perspective, I think parent and adolescent conflict, it's come from when parents can see adolescent needs and maybe they forget how uh, a love is, uh, maybe how puberty is, how they first time seeing uh, another uh, person as, wow, they are very beautiful, I love him. Wow, they are very beautiful uh, person, I love them. So yeah, maybe it's about how to uh, parent a teen from a teen's perspective, not only from the parent's perspective only. So that the yeah, parent know uh, what the adolescent need and parents know what the struggle that uh, adolescent has. Maybe emotional struggle, uh, maybe a cognitive struggle itself, social struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um- so when it comes to the conflict that sort of takes place between a parent and a child, a parent and a teenager specifically, mm-hmm. what are some of the typical dynamics that can sort of be brought on between a parent and a child? So maybe the conflict that happened between parents and adolescent? Yes. So what are the, the dynamic that sort of comes on, is there a sort of, a block in personality? Is there a difference in parent and child management? Is there a lack of communication? What sort of, what are some of the common types of dynamics that sort of can create that conflict? Okay, uh, as I learned from uh, my class, it's about theory comes from Eric Erikson. He is a German psychologist, I think. Yeah, he talked about the developmental stage for individual. So when we are focusing on uh, adolescent or teenager, they have tasks to find their true identity versus isolation. So that at the to- uh, theory said that when individual can find themselves, they feel isolated from social. So they need to uh, socialize, they need to find themselves and joining some groups that uh, can define themselves. So uh, the dynamic of the conflict itself between parents and children, it's about uh, children who are teenage uh, teenager uh, trying to find who they are. Uh, trying to find the independency, trying mm-hmm. to find of how they can um, do anything by themselves and maybe not needing parents again. But uh, we also know that uh, teenagers still um, under maybe control from parents, maybe um, 
um, knowing the guideline to end on for socialize or maybe to end on um, knowing boundaries about sexual activities and yeah just like that mm-hmm. and now sort of talking a bit more about some of the misconceptions that can happen mm-hmm. and I know there's a lot of people that sort of believe some of the misconceptions or the myths that sort of come about from your experience mm-hmm. what are some of the most common myths about a parent in an adolescent conflict yeah most common uh misunderstanding yeah between a parent and teenager itself is about or maybe uh, not only parent but also us as adulthood seeing mm-hmm. teenager ah they are very unstable they are very emotional they can yeah. handle themselves but when we are talking about um cognitive development perspective we also know that uh brain development of individual it's very different in this term uh what i want to say is prefrontal cortex the region of brain that um have function to uh maybe uh final logical reason and then interpret abstracting it's not um, developed yet when we are uh, compared with a brain region that arouses emotion so in this case individual or teenager may be felt very emotional but they don't know what emotion is but they don't know what the reason they are feeling like that and maybe they have no solution of how regulate the conflict itself so yeah a teenager maybe just like a feeling very emotional but they don't know what they want to do so in this case i think as adulthood or parent have um a function maybe uh, to give uh, education about how teenager can regulate themselves knowing what they want to do knowing what they can uh, uh, find solution of what their problem that they are uh, meant to mm-hmm. and I think that's what we sort of forget when we're mm-hmm. adults sort of looking at teenagers we're sort of thinking oh they don't know how to control themselves they yeah. don't know how to act properly but we're sort of forgetting at the fact that they also don't know a lot of things. They don't know how to be productive in the world. They don't know a lot of what struggle, some of them, like majority of kids that I've seen, especially when it comes to kids on the public transport, for example, like the way that they act, we sort of assume that, okay, this is how they're going to be for the rest of their lives. But we're forgetting that we're not we were there we were there once and we used yeah. to be teenagers who did mess up a lot who laughed too loudly who played around too much and we're very different than how we used to be so i think that's something yeah, that we yeah. all and i honestly i do forget sometimes as well when i see people when i see kids coming home from school and they're running about or they're sort of just not acting properly there's that aspect of oh they're just having a good time they're just enjoying being a kid so we forget that very easily when it comes to yeah. us looking at it from an adult's perspective yeah 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 that's right and dina 
yesterday I found uh, viral news in Indonesia in media sosial. Uh, there are two people, uh, maybe a student from junior high school, uh, making love in public spaces. So uh, visitor of mall uh, calling security to mm-hmm. uh, to knock the door so that yeah every anyone in the room can uh, go out and maybe uh, people can punish what they are doing so from that a uh, viral viral news in Indonesia we know that um, teenager have a, a stage that they are uh, maybe have a lot of motivation to having a romantic uh, maybe romantic act or maybe a sexual activities that mm-hmm. they are not only know um, they they don't have uh, education for uh, preventing something that that will happen for from that uh, sexual activities yeah yeah and I think it's it's really important at the fact that we forget that they are still new in the world that they're not even fully understanding the way to go around society the way to be social the way to be deal romantic relationships and handle yeah. different situations because either they're not being taught correctly or they're not being taught at all, especially when it comes to dating and relationships. Yeah. I feel like a lot of parents, we don't talk about that with kids. I know I definitely was not taught a lot about it when I was a teenager, just going through the dating experience and just dating. That was not something that I had knew any, how did I didn't know a thing about it. I didn't understand it at all. And it was very interesting to, not have that conversation and to go through life with not having that conversation with my parents about it or not. It's not something that a teenager always wants to go speak to their parents about. It's probably the last person they do talk about. Me too, because I'm Indonesian and I'm Muslim. When I talk about uh, dating uh, activities with my parents, they will punish me. They will uh, say to me that uh, you are still student. You have to focus on your studies, not uh, for romantic relationship. So yeah, maybe later you will yeah. uh, find your true love. But how can we find true love when we don't have education about how we find them? Yeah, it's very difficult, yeah. I think, for for Indonesian like me. No, it's very same as me because I'm. Malaysian. I'm part Malaysian. Um, I grew up in Australia, but I'm also Muslim as well. So uh, there's that aspect of, I don't know how to do it in a Western world with very different experiences yeah, and don't know how to handle dating, especially yeah. in, a, like, in, an Isla- in a cultural way, in a religious way. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's all these different rules and sort of comes along with it, but I'm not knowing a lot of it because I've never been experienced. Mm-hmm. I don't have experience in it. I've never been exposed to it. So there's that whole understanding of having having no idea how to do it as a teenager, let alone has to, how to handle it as an adult. And that really peaks into adulthood. 
Yeah. Now we're talking a lot about the adolescence. And I know adolescence is a time where you're trying to form your identity, you're trying to build who you are. Mm-hmm. How can conflict related to self-identity and also self-expression, how can that conflict sort of arise between parents and adolescents? Okay. Uh, from my experience too, I think when uh, adolescent needs to be independent, maybe uh, they want to go out without their parent, uh, maybe they want to hang out with another friend without uh, their parent, it will be a problem too for themselves and from uh, for their parent that uh, maybe parent will think that, yeah, uh, I know what the best for you and that's not the best for you, so don't do that. But mm-hmm. in teenager perspective, uh, they think that uh, hang out with their friend or maybe go out by themselves. It's about how they create uh, experience to be independent person. Uh, it will be uh, maybe a conflict that happen when a teenager try to find out uh, what independence is, who they are, and without... Um, uh, uh, kindness or compassion from their parent about uh, the individual teenager itself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so interesting because when I was, I remember when I was um, younger, it's sort of in my early teens, I was going, there was like a big festival that happened in my area and all my friends were going and I was going to go hang out with them, but I wasn't allowed to go without a parent being there. So what my dad had done is that he let me go out with the group, but he stayed far back. So he was still Um, watching me uh, the entire time and had a parent present, but he was nowhere to be seen. So I couldn't find him. I couldn't see him. He sort of just hid somewhere and just watched and followed us along the festival where we went on the rides and, you know, hung out with other groups of people. So there's that whole that was one method I remember growing up that my parents used to always do when it comes to festivals and concerts. They'd be there, but they won't be standing next to me the entire time. So I always felt like it was a good balance between what they were wanting and what kind of protection they wanted me to have while also having that sense of um, being independent. Okay. Different with my parents. My parents is uh, authoritarian. So that okay. when they say, uh, don't go there, uh, don't be friend with those group, just don't do that. When I do that, uh, my parents will pick me up and then he will give me a silent treatment for what I do wrong. <laughs> so oh, yeah, no. it, that's must be a confusing moment for me uh, to find myself and to find a good friend for me to grow up and have another insight about uh, social things or maybe uh, uh, viral things that I want to talk about. Uh, I don't have it. Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah, it's my mom was always the authoritative parent. Mm-hmm. So she was the one that put the rules up. And my dad was a little bit more because my dad is has a huge Western background. So he's very, he's a lot calmer when it comes to the rules and he will go and like I said, he'll go and follow me to places without 
being there. So he'll still be present, but without really being around. My mom was definitely the one that was a bit more authoritative. So the parenting style between the both of them was never matched, was never the same. So that also put some conflict in between the rules and what I was allowed to do. So I wasn't allowed to go um, to the mall by myself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed Mm -hmm. to go to a shopping center by myself, but I could go and stay at people's houses. So it was that huge like difference between the two which was very interesting as to how to manage being independent when one parent says yes and one parent's also always saying no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, from those experiences, we learned that uh, being a parent who has authoritative pattern is also helpful for us, for teenagers, to find what they do and don't uh, do and what the guideline they have to obey to be, yeah, present as teenager who have uh, so much opportunity to explore Mm -hmm. with a secure way. Yeah, no, definitely. I think having those boundaries and knowing where those boundaries lie, I think are really important, especially when you think about turning a teenager into an adult. Mm -hmm. And adults sort of know what society's boundaries are as well. So I think having those boundaries set upon you when you're a teenager mm-hmm. is very important to how you deal yeah. with boundaries as an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with it. So when it comes to communication skills and sort of just the communication between a parent mm-hmm. and adult, mm-hmm. between a parent and a child, how can miscommunications contribute to affect the conflict between both the parent and the child? Okay, um, in this case, I think parent needs to learn how to communicate with the perspective of teenager itself. So when we are talking about teenager, we are talking about the challenge or struggle that they met as a teenager. It's about emotion struggle. Uh, it's about uh, how they want to find themselves. So uh, as parent, I think parents need to doing uh, active listening and encourage teenager to speak. And when I was your age, uh, I know that that's not easy things and I'm here for you. Now, the terms that I here for you is uh, show that parents um, have uh, maybe opportunity for partnership with their children so children itself not feeling lonely to explore them as a teenager. So what would happen if the communication was not sort of established in a positive way between a parent and a child? Yeah, I think I teenager will be feeling lonely and they don't know what they want to explore or maybe at the worst case they do um drugs cigarette smoke addictive and then maybe um unwanted sexual activities that can lead to uh, another problem like hiv and aids or maybe uh sexual activities addiction and yeah, it will be 
uh, negative uh, problem impact in the letter. Mm-hmm. We've spoken a little bit about the different parenting styles that sort of come mm-hmm. about, the different ways, both authoritative and a gentle parenting as well. Are there any specific parenting styles that you know of, or even some approaches that tend to be more effective in minimizing conflict? Okay. Uh, I know I'm studying about attachment. Uh, one of the theory about attachment is come from Answort and Bowlby. When parents uh, already become a secure base, uh, their children uh, can explore anything with secure feeling. So I think when we can um, imply that in the teenager itself, parents need to be the secure base. So children or teenager can ask everything to their parent. Uh, teenager can uh, tell story to the parents. So parents can uh, decide with, whether it's good or bad for teenager to do that, to do those activities. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I think secure base is very important in the relationship between parent and teenager. Mm-hmm. And what some of the principles should parents keep in mind when going through the conflict with teenagers? I think the principle is about uh, having teenager perspective itself. Mm-hmm. They don't judge. They don't give any um, big expectation for teenager. So yeah, accept uh, that this those development uh, needs more attention and then needs more affection so that uh, teenager can uh, secure uh, having partnership with their parent. No, I love I love that that sort of piece of advice when trying to put your trying to put the parent perspective into a child's perspective and turn it into mm-hmm. how does a child react and and I think it works both ways as well when I think about the parent and the child the child also needs to have that understanding of what a parent would see and the communication and how important it is and sort of balancing both between being an adult and also trying to understand a child from how the child sees the rules, child sees the regulations, and the child also seeing how the parent feels about situations and being mindful of how a parent would be okay with this. I think, yeah, school has uh, only, uh, school needs, I think school have rules for giving education to teenager, to uh, adolescent, how they can communicate to their parent, how can they regulate their emotion, not only about preventing um, sexual activities on those age, but also how they uh, regulate themselves. It's because uh, when I look back in my junior high school, uh, my school only focusing on how they prevent us from dating and doing sexual activities. Mm-hmm. They don't give um, explanation of why I'm very angry or 
why I'm very sad about uh, um, situation that I don't know what what the reason I I'm being this kind of a uh, feeling. So yeah, I think school has a roles to to give those education, and when they uh when we are learn about uh teenager itself, teenager or adolescent tend to be uh more accepting everything based on what their peer have, based on what their peer um, believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's important to to have um support group maybe or peer group that supportive or maybe have a a positive um maybe insight or positive education about how they can be a good uh individual as teenager or adolescent. No, I agree, especially when it comes to being in school, you're in school pretty much eight hours a day for five mm-hmm. days a week. And there should be some kind of um, responsibility that school has on teaching mm-hmm. emotional regulation, mm-hmm. on teaching communication, teaching how to how to behave in how yeah. society is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're going into the practices and how to put some of the things that you've learned into practice and into an everyday lifestyle. What is a practice that you do to motivate yourself to find the balance for autonomy? Uh, I train myself after a senior high school. I go to a different uh, city so that, yeah, I learn to be independent, uh, have autonomy about myself and maybe uh this is some kind of uh usual thing in western culture yeah and eastern culture when we are uh separate from our parent it's not um maybe it's not usual thing that we find so yeah i train myself uh to go to another city uh living by myself and handling what the challenge that i met and the other city. Mm-hmm. No, I think travel travel is such a big part of how to rely on yourself and learning a whole lot about yourself. And I think as I remember as a teenager when I went <laughs> traveling or when I went to visiting around um around Australia, <laughs> it's so different when you're by yourself and when you're without your parents. And I remember my first trip as a teenager when I went with um a group of friends. <laughs> it was very different to I could do, the the rules were sort of set in me where I couldn't stay out past a certain time, um, but I still didn't sit stay out past a certain time. Past 11 o'clock, I was at home because that's what felt normal to me or that's what I felt comfortable with. And I knew that so many dangers came out after midnight, after 11 o'clock, things started to got there are different kinds of people, especially in a Western country. There's so many yeah. things that can go wrong that can happen. And it's nice to know that I had that sense of awareness and self-awareness that that was going to happen. So I think traveling is such a big part. It's such a big part of trying to find yourself. Yeah. 
I decided uh, in Indonesia there's a lot activities that help by minister um, activities that um, maybe needs a student from junior high school join those uh, activities so I think mm-hmm. maybe when we are have a to join those competition or maybe join those activities it will be a great opportunity for us to learn about ourselves and to uh, uh, maybe uh, to learn about the skill or abilities that we need to explore the world no yeah I think that's so it's so important and it's so it's there's so many different ways that that can happen and that you can be you can find out about yourself, whether it's school groups like you're mentioning or going with friends or even going with friends' parents, I think is a big part. What are some of the challenges that sort of can take place when you are trying to find that balance for autonomy? At the first time, I feel scared because I think there's something wrong with me. I don't know what I want to do. And I don't know what uh, I don't know who I want to ask for, and I know that those challenges are felt by teenager or adolescent that they need a mentor for knowing what they've gone through. But in the mm-hmm. other side, they need independence itself. But at the other side, they need mentor or maybe a senior to give. Um, uh, maybe um, um, list or guideline boundaries for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's it's really it's a really big challenge when, you, especially when you're by yourself or you're with people that that aren't family members, where Person. you are having to take care of yourself a little bit more, and you are having to figure out things on your own, especially when you're going from a teen to an adult. And I definitely think there was a huge difference for me when I was in my Mm -hmm. teens and traveling with family because I just followed wherever my family wanted to go. I just, if they were traveling, I was like, okay, I'll follow where you guys want to go. But as an adult and traveling now, I have to figure out where that, what I want to do and what the places that I want to see, which is very different experience altogether. And I know uh, I, ex- I experience uh, maybe traveling another city and what I want, uh, what I think is how do I pay this hotel <laughs> and the vacation. I don't know where is the <laughs> money. Yeah, it's such a challenging things for adolescent too, I think. Yeah, no, I think especially when you're no longer... Um, having your parents' money or you're, no, you're now paying for yourself. It's a very mm-hmm. different experience. Yeah. So now we're going into the last section of our show, which is the open mic. It gets you to talk to the audience directly about something you're passionate about. It can be promoting your work and your research as well. So in the last minute or so, I'd love to give you the floor and just share share some information with um with our audience okay um yeah uh there's so many opportunity that i met 
when I uh, learn to have autonomy for ourselves, uh, learning everything from a different perspective, learning everything from uh, maybe a different religion, different culture. And what I want to say that as an adolescent that will transition to be ad- adulthood, it's important that we have to know ourselves, learn to regulate ourselves, learn to have a good relationship with ourselves, with our parents, so that we have a um, maybe um, secure things to explore another world in adulthood. And now <laughs> I'm working on executive office of the President Republic Indonesia Department of Health. I think it will be um, so much things that I uh, I will meet, and yeah, I hope that this opportunity gives so much um, perspective of how I want to uh, continue my studies about trauma and how to deal with a relationship with parents and romantic relationship. Yeah, that's it. Sounds it sounds like a big job. It sounds like a, a lot of research that will go into it, and a lot to explore, especially if you're looking into certain aspects that you're really passionate about. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that um, with me, Zahwa. If there is a way that audiences would like to get in contact with you or ask something that I have definitely missed when it comes to parent and teen conflict, is there a way that audiences will get to reach out to you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Zahwa ESL, or maybe you can uh, send me an email uh, in at Zahwa at zahwaesl36 at gmail.com so I will be uh, uh, happy to know this message from you guys oh that's perfect I will definitely have those um, down in the show notes below on our YouTube channel and you can definitely find a link to her to Zahwa's Instagram as well as her email to get into contact with her Thank you so much, Zahwa, for coming onto the show today and for talking about parent and teen conflict. And it's so nice to sort of hear from perspective of a child as well. I think we don't hear of that that often. So it's really glad that I've got someone now that has a child experience of how it is to grow up with different parenting styles. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Nina. And Thanks everyone for watching. I will see you all in the next episode that we have. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.